podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of Misery Hunters is brought to you by Paisley Craft Beer Co. Paisley's Craft Beer Store is located in Silk Street in the town centre. There are hundreds of different beers on show for you to take away or even sit in and enjoy. Not only that, one season ticket holders will get 10% off beer purchases on match days when you present a valid season ticket. That's the takeaway or sit in as well. You can click and collect via their website at www.paisleycraftbeer.com. That's www.paisleycraftbeer.com. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast and you extremely miserable bastards out there as well. Uh, my name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Mark Jarden. Uh, Andrew Christie. Uh, and Sam Smith. Uh, <laughs> he ghosted uh, the end. Uh, yeah, uh, no Craig or Ross this week. They heard that the SLO were looking for uh, an air rifle um, and they've went down already. I've heard they've already shot Curtis Main. So good news there. <laughs> uh, who knows who their next target is. We will go. Someone whose head's been turned. Oh, we'll go on to that oh, very, very shortly. Topical. You're always so topical, Sam. You're always on it. <laughs> on the ball, mate. Uh, we played Motherwell, the Stephen Robinson Derby, a game that we all thought probably could have won we didn't win and unlike the last podcast we actually have people on the show that were actually at the game uh, so we'll hand over to mark and andrew to tell us more about this defeat you lucky people <laughs> um I, I think that was my first game since air so what uh, you're saying is it's your fault i'm a, a truly part-time fan you could say um I was stinking. <laughs> it was absolutely shocking. Um, decent atmosphere before before kickoff. Obviously, been a little while since I've been at a game and everything else. It was one of those ones where, even though I wasn't that confident about the team, you get into it. You you kind of get psyched up. You get sucked into the energy of it all before the game. Um, wasn't too happy with Stephen Robinson taking his wee stroll down the stand from the wee fake away tunnel that they're using just now and giving a big wave to the crash in the corner of all the Motherwell fans and just not acknowledging the one fans on the way out, that wasn't ideal. But I think that being my gripe and the gripe literally everyone else seems to have is maybe a different uh, conversation. Um, game was just poor. You know, lucky to get a goal at the start, well taken by Brophy, but, you know, there was a bit of fortune that had the, the ball drop into him. I don't remember seeing a game since the days of, like, Hutton and Carswell where we've been less in the midfield of a game. And I would include Connor Ronan. Um, I, I, I would say that that's including Connor Ronan having a decent game, playing slightly in front. You know, I, I don't think there was much more that Ronan could have done, but we had no control over over anything. We're so exposed at the back, and when that's the case, and Shaughnessy has, I mean, I, you know, call it what it is, a dreadful game next to McCarthy, who I'm assuming had won a competition in order to play in front of Dean Linus, who is allegedly a goalkeeper then you're going to struggle. And I, it was just, just so shit. There was like two minutes of enjoyment out of the, out of our goal. A couple of get it up, over at the, over at the well fans. And then honestly, I don't think I left my seat again. Even, even when we scored, it was just, just pish. 
and I don't know what else to say. I think the the absence of Charles Dunn, um, I know uh, kind of the jury's still a wee bit out and done in terms of his kind of ability, but having a, a left-footed centre-back back there just seems to give give the back line so much more balance and Shaughnessy moving left to accommodate McCarthy and the, the right, the right centre-back just seemed to throw everybody off. And then when you've got, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Ethan Erehorn fan in the past, but when you've got him kind of not, not bothering his to track, we were so, so exposed. And with Jordan Jones, who, granted, you're not, you don't buy Jordan Jones for his defensive work, but I, the, the whole, the whole uh, right, right side of the Motherwell attack, it was just, they weren't bothered at all. And Richard Tate had a poor game. Fraser wasn't in the game at all, really, to be honest. Sean, is a very uncharacteristic uh, bad day, but... Power as yeah. well. It's yeah, the least exactly. influence I've seen Power have yeah. on a game. And basically, Motherwell had four attacks, four goals, from kind of my recollection. And yeah, it was just... It's just it was it was shit. It was just really bad. I think the, the thing for me, and I know we'll go into talking about Robinson in a bit more detail, but I have no issue whatsoever. And I, I'm not someone that kind of like eviscerates players or or because I'm two footed. Generally speaking, on things, I don't have an issue with that defending being called pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 as as fans, being told that we should expect better, um, because that's what that. That's what that was. The first goal, I mean, I know we normally go through the goals and do it that way. I'm happy to just rattle off in four sentences. That first goal, Dean Linus doing his best Jordan Pickford T-Rex impression, unable to <laughs> save a ball within a metre of him, rolled at his, his left-hand side, stinking. Joe Shaughnessy for the second goal, absolutely nowhere, with no one behind him. I know it's hard to save a one-on-one, but... Linus essentially sits down and lets is it Cornelius that gets the second? Just Shields the second, I think. Was Shields, it? Shields, Shields was the second. Yeah. Just was think the over him, get it up him. McCarthy like retired out wide for the third with Tate and Aye. Joe absolutely nowhere in the middle, just falling over themselves. And again, a ball just rolled past Linus at his left hand side, at his near post. And then um, McCarthy absolutely done again. By uh, Van de Veen, who and yeah, and it goes in off Tate, doesn't it? So yeah, four goals, all shite. Everyone can have an off day. I'm, I'm not honestly. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sitting going to tell folk that they're, you know, they're not footballers and be serious about all that stuff. I know we take the piss, but just not good enough. Not good enough at any level. That that's a game that if we'd conceded those four goals when we were in the championship, we'd be thinking. Who have we employed to play full time defensive football for us? Like, what's what's going on? Just shambolic. And yeah, kind of raises an interesting argument between the players' responsibility and the poor, quote unquote, poor tactics of the manager. Because that's, as far as I'm concerned, that was Robinson's best eleven that he had at his disposal. Um, I imagine maybe Gorgic would have started had he not just been back from international duty. Done, you know, we're not really quite sure why Dunn didn't start. I don't know if there's been some Aberdeen links in the past few days, so maybe he's one of the ones that has had his head turned, as it were. But yeah, it was just individual responsibility. The the players just didn't didn't stand up at all on Saturday, and I uh, the def- defensiveness 
the defensive performance was just embarrassing from start to finish. I think you put a functional midfield in front of them and it would still have been a tough day with the way it was. I mean, Van de Veen's an excellent an excellent player and, and he had us on toast the entire, the entire day. That would have been entirely possible if we had a strong defensive midfield helping out and if we had Anik at the back. But you take Anik out of that lineup, and I'm, I'm guilty last week of saying that, you know, I'd seen a lot out of Linus and, and everything else, but it was a bit of a, a rude awakening, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think um, you take Anik out of that lineup, you take Gogic out of the midfield at this point, and Power has an off day. So exposed. Mm-hmm. And it, it was one of those days where there's that little bit of elation, that, that rise when the first goal goes in, thinking we might actually do something here. And by half time, you're like, I think they're going to score every time they come into our half. I don't see how you stop it. I've, I've, it was the same as like days at Ibrox and Parkhead where we've gone down to 10 men and you're thinking, how many are we going to concede here? It was honestly, it was that feeling against the Motherwell team that hadn't won since Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. How anyone can be put off by the manager coming out and burying that, I don't get. Yeah, I don't get. Well, this is where we can kind of jump in and, and we can less less talking about the game and more about the general reaction to everything that's been going out in the press and just like the fans' reactions online. If he came out and said he saw positives in that performance the way Goodwin probably would have, everybody would have lost their shit. So the fact that he's come out and said that isn't good enough and people are saying that he's throwing people under the bus. Like, he even said himself that part of the fault was him. He took some of the responsibility. He didn't blame it all on the players. Um, but at the end of the day, they were the ones that were playing, not, well, supposedly playing. Um, I don't think he's thrown anyone under the bus. No. I think he's come out and said, look at these idiots lying under a bus. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's him. It's four guys that have had a really shit day and he's been like, Yeah, that was really shit. I don't know what else you want me to say. Yeah. Right. What's wrong? <laughs> See for for nearly three seasons we were subjected to some of the most boring games, I think, as a St. fan. Like some of the amount of like games we would get beat one or two and it'll be teams like Aberdeen the Hibs we wouldn't even get in the half and then you'd have Jim Goodwin spouting shite about how oh I thought we played really well in spells and we'd done enough to, to fucking blah 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 and then as soon as someone's honest and gives a, a proper assessment of the game and doesn't just kind of try and pander to the fans everybody's going off their head and I, I think i seen a guy made a really good point he said obviously people gave Kearney and Jack Ross and Goodwin a bit more time because they were nicer to the press, but it shouldn't fucking matter how nice they are to the press or how nice they are to the fans. Like that's this is Stephen Robinson's method of working. It's been tried and tested at Motherwell in other league where he's got a forty-two percent win rate, which is fucking considerably better than Jim Goodwin's. So his credentials to manage St Mirren are already better than what Goodwin's were in the time he was here. He's actually only won three games in the last 40. Right, he's only won three, three games. games in his last 40. But listen, I think it's just the, the overreaction. It's absolutely crazy. And this is a guy who I had pointed out to his earlier and I kind of done a wee bit of research myself for it. And he done the exact same thing when he came in at Motherwell with McGee. He slaughtered the team that McGee had left and rightly so because they were sitting in I think, like 11th place or something. They weren't good enough. 
he comes in, he overhauls the squad in the summer and gets him to two cup finals a year later. Next year he gets him into Europe. So it's no rocket science. The guy obviously knows what he's doing when it comes to a situation like this. He just needs to get us through to the end of the season and then hopefully, obviously, we're avoiding a playoff spot. Then he's got time to bring his own stamp and things. But aye, some of the reactions are just... It's as if people have never watched Sudan struggle at any point yeah. in their life despite being lifelong <clears throat> fans. See, the, the, the thing that's, that really annoys me as well, it's the same people that are all shouting and moaning about how... Robinson's came in to this great squad and ruined it and this and that and these are the same people that were moaning at Goodwin all season the fact that we had no wingers that we had, he couldn't sign a proper striker the team was completely unbalanced now all of a sudden this was the great team that was going to get his Europe and it's Stephen Robinson's fault that we're not going to be in the top six it's, it's becoming tougher and tougher to be online reading some more opinions I, I I think and if it isn't for the podcast I probably would have deleted Twitter a long time ago I think uh, especially there's one guy Lex who just go he'll tweet the worst opinions going Jen just it's I think he had <laughs> this is the first time I've actually called out someone by name but keep going Sam <laughs> I, I just it's just reading some of the stuff like saying I mean he's the one who quoted that this team is the best team we've had in 30 years. What the, This isn't even the best team in the last 10 years we've had at St Mirren. Like, it, fucking hell, man. We're, not getting, we're, we're miles off of being where fans deludedly, or, that's not even a word, or the delusion levels never support that thought this team was any better than fighting for the last position in the top six. Oh, that's crazy. You know, there's people in our support that genuinely believe we had a divine right to go and finish fourth this year. And because we were fourth at half time, it's not even when we were fourth at the end of a match. The amount of people that said at one point we were fourth at half time, that is not a level to mark your team on. We were fourth at half fucking Aberdeen. Time. Aberdeen couldn't be fourth if they got one nil on Saturday at half time and Aberdeen have been guff all season. It's not a, we're, we're also fourth just, at half time and then Jack Anik. Runs twenty five <laughs> yards off his goal line and kicks Tony Watt in the chest, and apparently that's apparently that's Stephen Robinson telling Jack Anik he's not getting a contract renewal. That's done that. I mean, I think Jack Anik told Stick us that his contract wasn't going to be renewed. I don't think Stephen Robinson had any choice in that matter. Um, I mean, apparently he's going to Cardiff again. We can talk about that later. Uh, Charles, but then obviously, no, if, well, I think it's well. Wait, you can play Dino at the end of the season because that isn't going to be a fucking disaster if you've done that yeah. for the last six games. I'm just debating playing Dean to the end of the game. We need to watch that guy up against Rangers who are going to be off the back in the last league game was an old firm defeat who are going to be absolutely gunning for everybody and anybody. And Here's a, a prediction for you. Kamar Roof has just been absolutely slaughtered off the back of that Celtic game and how Rangers are nothing without Morelos. Kamar Roof is going to have a Kenny Miller Saturday <laughs> against us and put five away. <laughs> at least all, at, all at Dean Linus's left-hand side. Who's going to be our Ricky Gillis in that match for that re-goal? Just to cheer us all up a little bit. Cut us mean. I just... Um... Some of the some of the stuff I've been even like going onto the the Facebook page. The Facebook page is bad at the at the best of times, but it's the it's the kind of the hypocritical aspect that there's people that are calling out 
stuff that was an issue under Goodwin, but they always let it slide because of who he was. And fair enough, right? I, I'll I'll hold my hands up. It's the same as probably Ollie as well. That we probably weren't as harsh as we probably should have been on Goodwin at times we because of who he is. glasses. Sure. Every, every, every day as a player loves Jim Goodwin I'll always love what Jim Goodwin done for us as a player he's won a trophy in all of our lifetimes that we're probably lucky to see because there's probably another generation of fans that might not even see that happen at any point so we're obviously lucky enough to see that and I'll love him forever for that but no one ever criticised his, his flaws as a manager you know I've seen people talking about how good we were defensively before he left. When he left, we were the third worst defence in the league. Like we never scored we, for three years. We've watched a team not score enough on a consistent basis, and then in turn, you don't win games. You need to score goals to win games, and we've not won many games in the last three seasons. I don't mean my issue is as well that it's kind of overestimating Stephen Robinson, thinking that he can walk into a team and just dismantle it like that. Like, let's not pretend that these defensive issues that we saw on Saturday weren't there mm-hmm. under Goodwin. Like, we've lost a bit of defensive discipline in the weeks after Goodwin left. That's that's undeniable. But so before, in the, the part of the season where Goodwin was in charge, we averaged uh, 14.9 shots conceded a game. And since uh, Robinson, albeit a kind of smaller sample size, were averaging 13. So that's pretty much the same. And the margins are so fine, like those were now conceding from those shots for whatever reason for and it's had a poor run of form, Linus has had to come in, uh, you know, just confidence being shot by the fact that Goodwin left fairly fairly suddenly, I, I believe. Like I don't know if it, it wasn't a long kind of drawn out process. So the players that were brought in kind of kept speaking about how they came in off the back of Goodwin kind of selling the club and selling his vision. And then he was away the next week, so that's got to knock people's confidence. And um, I think Robinson was always brought in for next season. And this anything they can do in this season is a bonus for me. Um, and yeah, I just I, I'm not hearing Robinson say anything that a million managers haven't said a million times before. Yeah, and I think there's a bit of I don't know if it's a bit of naivety from Man fans where we're like. That's not on. He's dismantling this great club by by doing what? By saying that losing four goals to Motherwell wasn't very good. Of course it fucking wasn't. Like what what are we doing? <laughs> One of the things that always annoys me as well is Goodwin always got the praise for how defensively solid we were. And I remember this point coming up um again I think it was his first season in charge and we had Ladkane goals and we kept getting Getting talked about how well we were defensively, how great we were defensively. Ladke faced the most shots than any other goalkeeper that season. <laughs> that shows you your defence isn't doing its fucking job. Yeah, Alex been the same <laughs> over most of his spells at someone as well. So we've, we've conceded the most shots, yet done all right in terms of conceding goals. And that doesn't tell me that we're a an unpenetrable defensive unit. That tells me we've got a Jamie Langfield shit hot finding goalkeepers that's what it is yeah he as well like, see the people keep kind of referring back to the winning run at the start of this year so see when you go back next to look at the games you've got two games against lower league opposition you're expected to and Stephen Robinson said it himself he said you're expected mm-hmm. to beat Kelly in the air no disrespect to them the Dundee United game granted for 60 minutes probably played really well but 
at one each, McNulty, no, 1-0, McNulty misses an absolute fucking sitter. And if that goes in, it could be a different game. The Hibs game, we somehow won 1-0, despite Kevin Nisbet's best efforts to try and score. And Jack Anik makes three, four save, three point blank range in that game that on another day when Hibs beat his 3 or 4-1 game against Aberdeen. Granted, aye, Aberdeen were poor, took advantage of it. We won. The St Johnston game, we get back into it because of a penalty that probably wasn't a penalty. And then you're kind of playing against a team that's low in confidence and you go, Grieve puts us ahead. Grant, right, aye, you've won that game. But none of the games were convincing. I can't remember. For a long time, I really can't remember the last time we won a game at a canter, like comfortably, 2 or 3 0 to the good. And that's just, it's brutal. And I don't know what people are expecting Robinson to do any different with their squad than what Goodwin had done for... How many games did they go unbeaten? 11? Like, this is the same group of players who underperformed for six months of the season mm-hmm. and had an out-the-ordinary blip of decent results and they're expected to carry it on when it really matters at the end of the season when they've literally done it consistently enough for the last two years. It's just, it's very frustrating. I can't get to the point where I just need to come off social media when we're, when we're playing. It ge- it, I think, oh, sorry, Jim. I was just going to say about the social media thing there. It genuinely, probably the worst it's ever been. I remember back in the days when Black and White Army Forum used to always go on that before Twitter was really a thing. And I eventually took myself off that. And it, it seems that these people who have finally got themselves off of Black and White Army because they realise they're in an echo chamber of all shouting at each other the same shit. They've found themselves but on social media so more people can listen to them and you can see that with the Facebook page. Facebook page has always been bad but it's been exceptionally bad now and I see the admins of that group, they need to set like limits. See if you cannot string, and I know this sounds really bad, if you <laughs> cannot write a proper fucking sentence then your opinion should not matter because there's a lot worse things you need to sort out. Sorry, Jamie, are you saying that the issues in St. Martin aren't due to a sectarian divide within the camp? <laughs> well, that, I mean, I mean, uh, now that you've said it, well. let's talk about the real smoking gun here. I think it's a disgrace that Robinson's come in and told all these guys from the free counties that they're that they're you know they're not worth their contracts and they shouldn't be playing because they don't respect the crown. I think that is a disgrace, and that's a direct quote. That I made up. <laughs> I think as well, Martin. You're obviously right. Like all of, like, I don't know why a guy like Dermot O'Carroll would fall out with the Irish players. The team I'm fucking really scratched as to what the issue might be there. Definite, definite uh, Belfast-based Protestant Dermot O'Carroll from. Uh, just obviously on the Killarney. I'm talking about. If obviously, well, we're obviously like, kind of talking about Robinson and the press. He's just come out and said via the club site there's a really good core of players here and we've still got a great opportunity everyone is 100% committed to finishing as high as we possibly can in this league that, that's, uh, so. <laughs> so that's either one, <laughs> one of two things have happened someone sat him down possibly a new CEO and told him 
get that fucking <laughs> these fans are fucking miserable bastards get this out here i mean they're going to moan at it already i mean there's one quote by uh one tweet already I, i've seen the same tweet by the guy with all the letters in his name who once said that ginger lives matter um <laughs> saying, someone please sort this at the club a few days ago uh heads are turned um heads away now they're 100 committed he's crazy yeah stephen robinson's the crazy one he's just that's just trying to get fans either try to get fans back on side or they've sat down and had he's- a proper team meeting and hashed it out which i think is probably the more realistic thing to have happened I mean, is a is a coincidence that that statement has come out about half an hour after the SLO was looking for an air rifle? That statement, <laughs> that statement was written at the butt of a gun. Let's not let's not pretend. <laughs> if we're um, if we're calling out Twitter users individually, then old Billy, lots of letters has to has to be added to that as well. These shite opinions. The the quote that I tended to drop there, which I don't think necessarily landed, where he has spent four four full days responding to every tweet about Stephen Robinson saying he's only won three games in his last 40 at all clubs and then it took one person to be like he won 10 games at Morecambe <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I tweeted that earlier on and said like he was obviously talking passion he went I know I got it wrong it's like I know but there's still like 50 tweets just floating about <laughs> where you're following a guy about telling him that things that happened in the last eight months didn't happen the absolute weapon Think, uh, Let's not forget, sorry Sam, just while we're talking about it, same guy that uh, racially abused Brandon Mason. Well, it wasn't yeah. racially abused, he just said. He came that, sincerely, go fuck himself. It, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was full on racial abuse. I mean, I'm still not saying what he done was right, but basically he said, why do black lives matter more than ginger lives and stuff? <laughs> I guess, I guess that is kind of racist. And I think I've actually got the tweet that Mark the Figure back and find that said that gingers have been persecuted more than black people eh, their whole life, so. You can forget the roaring ginger slave trade of the 17th century. You You fucking moron. I know people connected to the club listen to this podcast. See if Stephen Robinson needs like a good laugh and needs to not worry about the fans. Just play them this section. Just a little voice clip of us, fans of the club, slagging our other fans (laughs) because there's some idiots out there. When it all all boils down here, at the same time as obviously there is a few kind of like insane tweets you're seeing for folk, Major- I think there is quite a, a lot of people who are pretty level-headed on the situation mm-hmm. and respect that the squad wasn't up to scratch or as good as what a lot of people thought it was. It wasn't going to be an instant thing. There was no way he was going to come in and, you know, just come in and start winning games and propel us into fourth place. Like, this this is something that is going to take time for him to fix and mould the squad in the, the way that he wants to do. I think, obviously, we've said it before, like, Robinson wants to play a 4-3-3. You can't play a 4-3-3 with two actual wingers because the only options you've got to change the game is to change the shape. And that's poor. I think you touched on that last week. Like, If your only options on the bench are not to maybe bring on a fresh injection of pace, but it's to bring on a 34-year-old Ryan Flynn, which mm-hmm. means you then need to play somebody at a position. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. So this is something that will definitely take the summer window, at least maybe the January window, to get the right bodies in and see... But sort of way we're heading, but I, I, I don't expect the majority of our support to have the patience for that to happen. What I'm looking forward to with the next season, obviously the squad rebuild, but the fact is we know that there's going to be more youth integration in this squad that Goodwin get away with and that no one ever held it to him. The fact that like we are suffering the now because of the amount of players that had been sent out on loan that we can no longer play. Like, um, like Dylan Reed. 
uh, Kieran Offord, Lewis Jameson, these players would be on the bench coming on instead of Curtis Main, instead of Ryan Flynn. And the fact that he's already mentioned that is a, a frustrating fact point that we can only name five subs, one of them being a goalkeeper, because everybody else is out on loan and we can't play them. It's, Another of them being Curtis Main, you can't have that out of one of them being a goalkeeper and then not mention the fact that one of the other subs was Curtis Main. So the fact that right. even he's mentioned that fact and hopefully, and we've seen him do it at Motherwell, bring through some young players, that he can integrate this better with the squad. The bench is going to look a bit better um, with more younger players coming on and having a chance. And that's what I'm also looking forward to. See see if all the, the board wanted was a continuation and as much as possible, and it might end up in glorious failure. Then when Goodwin walked out a week after saying that he was here for the long term, which, I mean, can't be forgotten in all of this. Mm-hmm. It's his right to go. I don't hold it against him, but said he was going to stay, said he was here for a project, literally walked out with a week's notice. And, um, you know, if, if that was the case, then give it to Langfield and McManus mm-hmm. and Webster until the end of the season and see where we go. But no, they went out, they identified someone using Tony Fitzpatrick's critical success wheel or whatever it is they do. Decided a guy that was the best bet for the long-term future of the club to build something and gave him a two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half-year contract or whatever it is they've, they've given him. That's not based on the first three months with someone else's squad. That's based on mm-hmm. getting them in, letting them take a look at the place, trying to build something. And it was the exact same with Goodwin. Goodwin got given what was it, a three-year deal initially and then they re-upped and gave him a better three-year contract halfway through it because he came in mind how bogging we were in that League Cup group stage when Goodwin first joined and he said look I've just not had the time to turn around a squad yet it's a work in progress we're trying to get there took him a while to get going had a couple of long bad spells had a couple of decent spells and it worked out in the end but the whole thing was this is better than the alternative which was no long term planning no, no big picture no no optimism about or kind of optimistic thinking about where it might go, it was, right, this might be a tough start, but we're backing him to go and, and you know, get a budget and do something. Why is Robinson going to be any different? Why are we hiring a guy for a two and a half year deal or whatever it is, and we're judging him off the back of six or seven games when he's not had so much a chance to to bring someone back in from the fold who hasn't been getting games because there's no one available in the squad? I get that there's frustration that we've we've gone off winning six or seven games and we're now struggling to turn a turn a performance out. But Sam Sam nailed it by going through the games individually. There, he's not committed. I mean, he's not taken over from Arsene Wenger at the end of the Invincibles run and suddenly started getting pumped four one off Sheffield Wednesday and playing Robert Pires at left back. He's come into a team that was scraping results, was getting penalties and. Players were having off days and missing sitters and were winning games by the odd goal. Relying on of... individual brilliance as well. Oh, like, it's not tactics to have Connor Ronan slide one in from 30 yards at the far post. Or... It, it, it also pissed me off. It, it's not tactics for Joe Shaughnessy. It's not as if Stephen Robertson's come into our back line and said, right, I know Jim had you playing pretty conservative stuff. Joe, I'd like you to play 45 yards from your... <laughs> from the box please and if uh, a ball is getting shaped up to go over you and you've got the fastest striker on the pitch on your your outside what I'd like you to do is take two steps in the wrong direction and then just let him go all the way in and just dink one over a shape keeper that's not the tactics that's not Stephen Robinson that's not us suddenly being a bit looser at the back 
that is, for my money, the best and most consistent defender we've had for quite a long time, having a shite day and making a bad decision. I think That's, as well, like, none of this, obviously none of this is to give Robinson a free pass. You know, he was the first thought that he's, mm-hmm. he's made a lot of decisions that haven't worked, but I just kind of reject the notion that he's come in and dismantled a, a winning team. Like, I think Jim Goodwin was very good at kind of pander into the fans and not maybe that sounds more negative I mean can I placate in the fans and um, as he thought protect the players but I kind of feel there's a fine line between that and just kind of I think it was maybe Ross in the chat was saying that that just kind of breeds a a kind of arrogance and then when the other manager that challenges them and maybe says uh, kind of tells them how it is they're not quite equipped for that and as a fan base I think we're probably the same where Nothing says um, being off mark or out of order. It's just we're, we're not really used to it, and we might be used to more of a. How many interviews have we seen where he's just trying to drill out? Goodwin was trying to drill out positives, and you're like, that's as bad as whatever these people think Robinson is doing right now. Sorry, I'm not, I'm just reading some more of the comments under the that Robinson thing. Um, seeing that we're just calling people out, David Hill. Uh, no one has doubted the players' commitment until this balloon said some of them wanted away. <laughs> someone at I know, someone, Bonner, literally no one was talking about Curtis May or, uh, yeah, or Jack Annick, no the fact that we were all talking about dropping him for D- Dean Linus because he was, wasn't going to sign a contract. I think there's been a lot of people going back through their tweets from mm-hmm. November, December time and searching the word Goodwin and deleting a lot Aye. because all of a sudden they're very... Uh, they're good St. Martin men they've never questioned anything until this this psychopath has come and tried to disband our team and don't worry some of the shite don't worry your old dads at Misery Hunters have got you sorted we have screenshotted every one Aye. of these ridiculous opinions and we have them I've sitting a, waiting for when the turnaround comes we've got the receipts kept mm-hmm. uh, I, have a, key. I have at least 30 receipts that if, it com- if it comes to it we can go nuclear mind that she time we were in to semi-finals and within a point and two goals for about six weeks of making the top six and the entire time Jim Goodwin was talking in the press about how our best midfielder wasn't signing a contract and couldn't be asked. Mm-hmm. Why mind how that, Robin, mind how that was a thing Robinson for like three months. Is this the it's same? Because Jim Goodwin, he's only been in the door five minutes at Aberdeen. Surely he would be letting a club <laughs> legend that's played 500 games go on the back of a near career threatening He's not taking it. Stephen McGinn, you mean? No, no, sorry. Someone else. Because he wouldn't come out in the press and publicly say that he doesn't deserve a new contract and he wouldn't say that he was asking for more money. That's doesn't sound like him. He had this all hoodwinked, but see, deep down, I think it was my mate Reese hit the nail on the head. It's hard to admit, but Jim Goodwin was always a bit of a prick, to be honest. That's the thing. And see, the the moment those glasses get taken off, is see that Aberdeen game when he, he's first Aberdeen and he was in the slow motion and you're like, fuck, we're really, can't believe he's gone. And then at the end of that match, when he walked up to the fans and started hitting the, like patting the badge <sighs> off his heart, that's when it came away and I was like, do you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> And I look forward just, to meeting them in the bottom six because they're not fucking going anywhere either. They're just as just close like, to that relegation playoff than we are. Just heading into the transfer window, like in, in every one of Goodwin's seasons. I mean, I, I was I was reading an article like five minutes before we started this from November last year, 
this season where Jim Goodwin said, you know, there's a lot of players in the fringes who maybe aren't getting the game time they want and they're going to get moved on so I can freshen up the squad. Yeah. That was this season. That was four months before you are saying it's too early for Stephen Roberts to tell a player you're probably not getting a contract at the end of the season, mate. He said like five what? players need to leave and, uh, and not that many left, so there were still players there that he'd basically thrown under the bus. Another another comment that's just came back to me as well, I saw someone, I can't remember who it was, otherwise I'd name and shame them, shame them was um, Stephen Robinson needs to go to the PR, like Jack Ross's school of PR. Oh, the same, the, the uh, same Jack Ross that had a fight with a fan Jack in Ross. the main stand? That, the, that same, same the, same, the same Jack Ross who embarrassed himself with Kenny McIntyre for the BBC last year after the Hibs game by... Taking, the, I think it was this season actually for taking the huff because he made an arse of sitting in a game. McIntyre asked him why he done it, and he took a wee hissy fit in the press conference. Like, it's it's crazy how hoodwinked people are just because they have a kind of emotional tie to the club. And I wouldn't say Jack Ross did have an emotional tie to the club because he fucking disrupted the squad the week before the League Cup final. And asked I was going to say, I was like, so, Dick uh, with a player, I know. <sighs> Should we stop? But it's good to see we've got this all off our chest. Ah, I know, it was uh, needed. <laughs> you might be listening and wondering what's happening. This is a therapy session, so I hope that you've joined yeah. in. <laughs> the best, the, the good thing I'd like to point out as well, we, we get a, a good number of listeners. I reckon that if not 95, if not 100% of the people that listen to this podcast are actually the same people who don't go on and comment. And to be fair, most of them are. Like, yeah, I reckon there's a... I reckon I'm probably pretty confident saying all of our listeners aren't thick as pig shit like some of the people <laughs> that some of the it's not even it's not even like you have to take our side of the you have to take this side of the argument. You can be critical of Robinson mm-hmm. by all means. Like if you don't agree with what he said, that's absolutely valid. But just a bit of perspective and a bit of awareness about mm-hmm. what you're saying and it's just oh, it's, the amount of it's so hard. <laughs> people need to take Alan Stubbs's name. I know. Out of I was mouth. literally just about to say that. See if your argument has anywhere in it. Stubbs two like that's it. Your your, your opinion that doesn't matter, and that goes for Div a pie and Bovro as well. I don't know if he listens, but fuck me, he's someone who's represented our fan base for such a long time. He has got some stinking opinions. Well, I think there's obviously a lot of people who were just pretty unhappy that, that their pal Jack Ross never get the job. So that's I, I think that, uh, you know, or their pal Stephen uh, McGarry. <laughs> I said it. Uh, I, they don't think. I, I, I think. <laughs> I think, like with what Andrew was saying, there, it is entirely valid to to criticise Stephen Robinson for mm-hmm. what he said. Right. I don't agree that he overstepped the mark. I think he could have been a bit more diplomatic, and I think I'm a bit of a I'm a bit non-confrontational. I wouldn't have done it, but I'm I'm not like suddenly thinking he's, you know, he's he's, he's Alan Stubbs two point or whatever else people are throwing about. I, I think there's just this massive disconnect here between what's actually going on, what was actually said, what's been said before, and and how other things are. No one is saying you have to be happy with how we're playing just now. Not one of us is sitting here saying you know we get tanked four two off Motherwell, but we actually played really well. And if you look at the expected goals and how many corners we had, then. No one is sitting here saying that we're the better team in these games. Literally no one. It's not good enough for us to be playing like this. The issue is that Stephen Robinson's coming out and saying that it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And everyone is somehow jumping on as if he's, you know, he's, he's no one of us. And what rights he got to come in and say that when he's he's not one of us and it's no his team and these players have, have done this and, and done that. It's, it's just 
bollocks. Like you're, you're talking about Div there, and, and I think Div takes a fair amount of flack for a lot of opinions which are out there, which I, I don't always disagree with. I, you know, it's fair enough, and everyone's entitled to opinion. I just think I, I'd responded to something he'd said where he, he mentioned Stubbs, and I think I'd responded saying. Stubbs come into a team that had won the league, that was flying high in morale over the full course of a season, gutted the entire lot, said that they didn't deserve what they got the previous time. If you read Tony Fitz's autobiography, he literally phoned Tony and said, I heard in the press that you want rid of me. Tony said no. And he said, I don't believe you. I want you to phone the board now and ask them if they want me to stay or want me to go. So it wasn't even as if we jumped and said, nah, six games is enough, Alan, get to fuck. He essentially put an ultimatum down and he'd pissed off enough people that they went, actually, if that's what you're going to do, we'll see you after. So A, the actual situation bears no resemblance and B, I think Div's response to that was, I'm talking about how how he's talking in the media. Alan Stubbs came out and just cried about the fact that Tony Fitz is saying we're going to finish top six and he wasn't getting the budget for it and he tried to sign this player and he tried to sign that player. And this is Alan Stubbs who got the job off the back of, ahead of Kearney and, and others, by saying... I'm connected to Everton. I've got a couple of boys from Everton that will join us on loan. I've got this, I've got that. I've been speaking to folk at Juventus and there's a guy there trying to get out and I'm going to sign. He promised that and it didn't happen. Stephen Robinson came in outside of a transfer window, said, you know, there's a bit of momentum just now. I'm going to try and keep that up. It's not happened over the course of a month. And he's now saying, the way I want to play, the style, the standards I have, I don't think this current group are necessarily going to meet that. And I think there has to be a rebuild. Mm-hmm. It's so incomparable that I can't actually believe we're having the conversation we're having about on mass and and I think social media is a lot of it right because people with fringe opinions are more dramatic opinions and I, I count myself in that right because I'm never off Twitter and I'm I, do you mean I'm, I'm absolutely part of that I'd like to think as Sam was saying that we're scratching the surface there and the majority of people aren't sitting there with this well that's the thing intense feeling do I, I don't get it the people with the loudest voices do not have the biggest representation. So that's what we kind of need to remember. We always look at other teams' fans and go, fucking hell, they're mental. But you've got to remember that the loudest people and the people's tweets that you're always seeing, these are an extreme fringe and it's the same in politics yeah. and everything. It's fucking nutcases that are out just shouting to anybody. Because <laughs> like, I'm never going to go on Twitter and like, if you look at my own Twitter or even Misery Hunter's Twitter, I don't tweet that many opinions. I don't tweet anything like that no. because I'm quite a reserved <laughs> person. Until I'm on microphone, of course. Um, and I, and that's the majority, I'd say, of our fans as well. So while it sounds like we have ranted about them for the past 40 minutes, it's actually just the extreme fringe that probably don't even listen. What, Aye, what I'll say that. to finish off that, if, if you'll let me, sorry, Aye, is that we've got the benefit here of being able to talk for half an hour mm-hmm. and talk out all these thoughts and what we're rallying against is people who've got 250 cal- uh, characters to say... I almost said calories are 250 characters to, to try and get an opinion across. And it's it's tough. It really is tough. And I'm terrible for ranting things across five tweet threads because it's hard to, to narrow that down. It's impossible to have an argument based on a couple of sentences each way. It just doesn't work. So if anyone that's actually listened to this and listened to how I actually feel about that in total still disagrees with that, send me a message and, and tell me about it. I would, I would be intrigued to hear what your wider argument is beyond the 250 characters thing where you're never going to change anyone's mind. I'd be really interested to know what I've said please, there about... Please do, because we would love to see the screenshots in the web, uh, the, the group chat. <laughs> that, 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 goes, that goes to everybody. That anybody cool. that disagrees with us, tweet at PTF blog. <laughs> 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 
think that's the thing, is though. That's that's why we do it like, to to engage with mm-hmm. like, the people who listen. But no, I think like I know fine well I'm guilty. I can run in absolute shit. I mean, I would have had the signal with Barcelona in January, but like it's if it, like, that's the whole point. Nobody's going to agree with everything. And if you do disagree, go tweet us. You know what I mean? Me and Mark sit on Twitter for a living, basically, so we'll be happy to sit and engage with you. Yeah. I mean, we should mention the fact we're now playing well, less about the fans. We've had our we've had our therapy session. <laughs> we played Angels uh, on Sunday. I mean, I was tempted to go because uh, I'm obviously not working on Sunday, but I've actually decided I really cannot stand Rangers. Uh, I'm I'm not putting myself through it. I'm not. Go- I'll sit in the house and watch it. Um, this game, I feel, is going to go either way. Mark made a really good point, which I'll let him make again before the podcast started recording about Kamar Roof. Or did you make that one when we were still recording? That was just that was during the podcast. That was just. It was just it was just 40 minutes of ranting ago uh, it feels like a, a whole other podcast ago um, she made a really good point that he, like, you feel he's got something to prove and he's going to come out all guns blazing especially against how poor our defence has been last in the last game Dean Linus is in goals again I mean hopefully he can pull up a performance that he did against Celtic against you know earlier in the season hopefully his confidence hasn't took too much of a knock I would be amazed if Dunn wasn't back in for McCarthy. I, I, I think that could honestly be McCarthy's last game. Mm-hmm. Contract up. I don't think was he was ever interested timer. in signing a new. He was almost gone in January. I honestly think that could be his last start for us. Dunn back in on the left hand side of the defence. I think Linus is still because that's Annex second. Yeah, it's two, it's two games. Yeah, so Linus will still play. We're still going to have the same the same fullbacks. I'd be amazed if Gogic wasn't back in and we're trying to play a slightly more solid guys in their natural position type thing. And that's the only green shoots that I'm seeing anywhere in terms of us being able to keep a score down on Sunday. Right. You're gonna be you're you're gonna be heavily reliant on whether it's Henderson or Jones or whoever it is that starts at wide, you're gonna be heavily reliant on them hoping that Bassey and Tavernier have an off day and hit them on the counter, which, to be honest, the two of them are two of the best fullbacks in the league. They don't have off days, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. But it's it's I it's not the realms of possibility that Rangers have a wee bit of a hangover for a European game. We get the reaction that we are craving, and we somehow finish the top six. But let's be realistic here. Aye, that's the thing when you're playing a, an old firm team. Not only do you need all 11 of your players to have a, a season high game you need every the majority of the Rangers players to have an absolute off day and don't get me wrong it happens it's happened before we've seen it before us at Man fans but I, I don't know I think I'm not I'm not snuffy and great about it to be honest and whether I mean I know results <clears throat> could go away on Saturday and top sets could still be a be a possibility but I think it's it's a fairly convoluted series of results we need but either way we want to get as many points as we can to if that if we're going down in that bottom six kind of scrap mm-hmm. but it's got to be a tough one um anyway you can anyway slice it yeah and i think we'll, we'll move on from that and we'll be back after this hi i'm Amy both of you are listening to misery hunters podcast i hope that put a smile on everybody's face it's time for the it is time <laughs> Hello, this is Billy Mehmet 
and this is the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame. Let's do the dance. Mark, on you go. Let's do the dance. It's, it's funny, we've just had the, the hour we've had, and I've got a smile on my face again, just at the, just at the mention of, of, of Billy's name. So here we are, the eighth instalment of the of the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame. And this time we mentioned on Twitter earlier on, we let Jamie pick someone that was going in. And, and the idea with, with these, as it was with Sam's choice before, is someone who, similar to my love for, for Mr. Mehmet himself, someone who's maybe not going to be go down as, you know, an all-time great of the club or, or maybe a cup hero, but who deserves a bit of recognition. And Jamie, with that in mind, has opted for the King of Spain, <laughs> Simon Lappin. Well, you say that, I actually had a Norwich fan who sent this over, just... Simon Lappin, King of Spain, King of Spain, King of Spain, Simon Lappin, King of Spain, he looks Spanish. That was from a, a Norwich fan called Marcus uh, Jardinson. So, uh, hey, that's alarming because I think I've got some very questionable voice notes that should probably never get aired. Oh, well, believe me, I made sure I had the right one. <laughs> I thought I had it earlier, and it came up with Ross, and I was like, "Oh, I better not play that." <laughs> that guy sounds like an absolute pilot. <laughs> uh, moving on before Jamie plays that again. <laughs> in 1983 and a product of the St Martin Academy Simon Lappin made his debut in 2001 before breaking into the, the regular first team picture the, the following season and following on from the, the Baltacha theme he was a regular under 21 cap for, for Scotland I think that always sticks out in, mm-hmm. in my mind I, I went and saw Malin and Morgan when they were in the under 21 games while they were with us because it was getting played in Paisley you always kind of remember the ones that get a wee bit of recognition and, and the ones that, that maybe should have and, and didn't. Um, I think Lappin was, was one of those ones where you always knew he was going to end up somewhere at a, maybe a slightly higher level than, than we were capable of giving him. Um, made it 150-odd appearances, I think, for the for the Saints over the course of his, his five or so seasons. Um, but by far and away the, the highlight of that time, and I'm sure what, most of the guys would want to to pitch on would be pitching on would be the the two thousand and five two thousand and six season mm-hmm. when he was a, a key member of the the double winning team that year. Um, uh, pulled up a couple of articles from the the time of um, of Simon talking about it, and he said of the Challenge Cup kickoff was delayed just to allow fans into the stadium. It was a fantastic occasion for many of us in the dressing room. It was the biggest game in our careers up until that point. Um, Lappin scored the opener. Um, the, the goal that saw us on our way uh, after a, a, a sustained bit of pressure I think for, for most of the, the first half should maybe have, have had a couple more um, again Simon himself said for whatever reason Kirk Broadfoot thought he could bang one in from about 30 yards to his credit he got it on target but the ball spilled out to me and although I should have scored with my first strike I hit the post but it came back to me and I made it 1-0 I am um, to my eternal shame was not at that game I was at that game. I was. Crazy. I was at that game. Yeah, that Deirdre, was the, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. the first time, obviously, like, and and that I got to see us lift a trophy, and like, even though it was like the Challenge Cup, the Cup, it, it meant a lot. It was like it was only like fourteen, fifteen, like it was just a, a great experience to like. You had it was against Hamilton, wasn't it? And the mm-hmm. fact yeah. is, we'd sold two stands already. And then we got more because Hamilton hadn't sold their sections. Just to have that many St. Martin fans in the stadium 
was a great experience. Oh, you're... I've gone totally blank there. Sorry. We're talking about Simon uh, Lappin. Ah, the right. Cup Simon. <laughs> left, uh, left footed, wasn't he? Yes. I was. Um, wasn't at the final, but I'm pretty sure I was at the first round that year against them. Um, it was our first game of the season against Forfar. Maybe I, th- I think Alan Reid scored an extra time. That may be a different season. I, I think it's that season because that that season coincidentally was the first season where I made it to you know kind of twenty odd games. 30 games over the course of the season went went home and away to, to a few things um, mostly to games in Hamilton from, from what I remember um, but but didn't go to the Challenge Cup final because I'm a, an idiot um, yeah and, and obviously uh, then having had the, the glory of the Challenge Cup was a key part of the side that, that managed to see that through and take us back up into the the top flight his performances for, for that season earned him a move down south to, to Norwich, who were managed by Peter Grant at the time, who said he signed him because he was told by someone he trusted in Scottish football that Simon Lappin had the best left foot in Scotland. Do you know what was crazy about that? And I'm sure, I, I don't know if, if either of you has ever met this guy. There used to be a guy that come to St Martin Games a lot, the, the season before and this season, in a Norwich jacket, who claimed to be a Norwich scout. And I remember in Dingwall, in a pub after the game, talking to him, where he basically said, I'm from not like Scottish accent, like I'm the Norwich scout and I'm here to get Simon Lappin. He's moving, he's moving, and the, the move never happened. And then he would appear again, and the thing would come up in Black and White Army saying, I bumped into a scout from Norwich who said Simon Lappin was coming, to, was, go, was going to be moving there. And everybody just kind of wrote him off as went, Yeah, that guy's just found a Norwich jacket. He's not really a scout. And then eventually the move did happen, but um, it was just really weird now that I think about that. He, um, he had a long spell at, at Norwich, um, save for a couple of loan spells um, out after he fell out with uh, with Glenn Roder. Scored um, a, a fantastic free kick against uh, Chelsea. I remember. Was it Chelsea? Mm-hmm. I read about the, I, I read a couple of articles on um, Norwich fan sites about him earlier on, and um, both of them mentioned his, his free kick. I, I forgot it was Chelsea. Um, came back up and played, you know, kind of nine or ten games at Motherwell. Went out and had a, a short spell at, at Cardiff and a couple other places. He did eventually come back to Scotland and, and signed for um, St Johnston on a permanent basis. Where I remember him being a bit of a thorn in our side. Mm-hmm. Um, when, spell at St Johnston. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that when that ended, then he, he would only have been kind of 32, 33 at that point. He then went down and played fifth tier in England for a couple of years. He was at um, York City. Uh, Kings Lynn with Jack, Jackie McNamara took him to York City I'm sure right um, Jackie McNamara who held every job in the building mm-hmm. at York City mm-hmm. manager chief exec kit man um, they rallied the foy the full the full package um, <laughs> yeah so they played National League National League um, North for a, a short amount of time and then retired before popping back up to play for a I think a Sunday League team or a, a counties team or something for a a short amount of time, as is traditional. I had a, a wee, deep, wee deep dive for him on LinkedIn. I can tell you that he's now a football development officer at Norwich City, where he's decided to to settle after retiring. He's an aspiring pilot. Oh, he's oh. done some of his pilot training, and uh, he regularly commentates and presents radio shows on Radio Norfolk. Um, rumours that he's on North Norfolk Digital are <laughs> so far not substantiated. 
Um, to finish off, as I normally do with a quote, I'm going back to that Craig Ritchie article, which was just which was done just before the 2017 final when we were playing Dundee United, and uh, he got Simon on to to talk about winning that that previous final and and, and that season, and um, that article itself finishes pretty much with Lappin saying that he joined St Martin just before we won the league in 2000 and he didn't really get to play a part in that. The Challenge Cup was his first real bit of silverware. The club had been going through some hard times and the seasons had not to that and he came into a struggling side. That gave me a good grounding. It made me appreciate the success more when it came around and um, and he didn't have to wait too long for for that with the, the end of that season. So with all that being said and unless there's any more, welcome to the Hall of Fame, Simon Lappin. Welcome. Clap, what? clap, clap. <laughs> one, one other thing I'd like to mention was seeing Championship Manager at 0102, Simon Lappin turned out to be just as good as Mark Kerr, but Mark Kerr got all the, the plaudits of it. Always signed him for no matter who I went. I remember signing him for Dortmund and he scored and assisted like 30 goals. It was great. An absolutely textbook MLC in 0102. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good free agent signing and football manager. Uh, but whenever he always got to the end of these tenure at clubs, he was always pretty good, man. I think he was a good player, good, really good career, to be fair to him. So, Handsome big bastard as well, can, aye, we, was. can we recognise that as well? There was a, a topless dressing room picture kicking about on on Twitter today that my, my pal Alison shared, which she'd also sent to me on WhatsApp before she posted it on Twitter. Once to let her know that it was Simon Lappin that was, was going in, so... Let's, um, the, let's not overlook that as well. He's in the he's in the, the looks Hall of Fame as well. Yeah. Obviously, the picture in that style is it worth messaging the club to ask if they did Joe Shaughnessy to do the same photo shoot? <laughs> and then all of us. <laughs> we, to be fair, Denny's misery hunters promo. Aye, there we me, go. Me kicking Alan about, looking like Action Bronson. <laughs> do, do any of us know a photographer? Because I'm pretty sure we have enough links at the club that we can actually get in and get some of the players just to recreate some classic photos that have been taken. Like, you know, you know that Gary Teal one with a pig and the, mm-hmm. the cup? We could get like, um, who'd be good with that? Cut this man. <laughs> He's we, a fucking pig. I don't know if he'll agree after that one, but um, but yeah, let's get let's see if we can do something like that where we try and recreate that photograph. I get Joe Shaughnessy to hold me up like a wee pig. nobody jealous like the well I'd be extremely jealous of that Um, but any more for any more no I've I've got off chest I feel a lot better after this Mm -hmm. yeah that was that was therapeutic I feel like Vinnie Jones at the end of uh, is it Lockstock or Snatch Mm, just it's been emotional and fucks off. <laughs> and as always, do you know I, I don't even know who I want to say fuck, but I'm just going to say fuck Alex Ray. Fuck it. Uh, fuck Matt Lethesse. Ah, oh, good you. Good call. Fuck Mark McGee. Fuck Stephen Robinson. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dev. <laughs> Podcast Network.